0: We're moving back to our guest who's right here in the studio. She's Karen Brainard, and she's been uh, giggling there at the idea of the skin-covered journals. pretty ghastly, wasn't it, really? Absolutely,
1: and I'm quite surprised that, Chris, um, he used to be my editor. Okay. Yes, he was my news editor for a number of years, almost four years, that Mm. I was a political reporter at Rapport newspaper, the Sunday newspaper. So uh, I don't think... Uh, then either of us thought we would become mm. crime writers uh, 20 years along.
0: Well, well, how interesting is that? I thought it was an interesting connection that you were both journalists and you were both crime writers. I didn't realize quite how close the connection was. Well, it's yes. lovely. Thank you very much. Of course, Chris is now living in uh, in Canada, yep. I think, where that's he's right. writing full time, very successfully from what I understand. But, oh, that's interesting. So he was your editor. Now, are you still, you're, it's still writing as a journalist a, a
1: little bit, but mostly doing very well with your novels? Yes, uh, quite surprisingly so. I was uh, quite blown away by the success of Blasmoort. Um I thought, okay, um, there is the huge shadow cast in Afrikaans by uh, popular crime writer Dion Meyer, yeah. And uh, of course, Chris was arriving on the scene, and there were several others, uh, Piet van Staden and so on, and I thought, okay, I'll sneak in by the back door, And uh, but there was no such thing as, as sneaking. Uh, I was really quite surprised by it. Why did you... Um Hmm. Let's go back to the fact of
0: you being a journalist and listening to what Chris had to say about being a journalist. And he was exposed to all these crimes. Similarly, were you? Did you have a lot of crime that was coming into your orbit and thinking, hmm, "I could do something with this story"? Why? Why the first one?
1: You know, uh, I never really had to do a lot with with crime because I was a political yeah. reporter. Well, uh, and uh, <laughs> they can be you know. overlap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know really uh but uh, uh i was a political reporter at a very very um exciting almost if you can call it that time of uh, the history in south africa during the 80s i worked in johannesburg and uh, i often became involved uh, from a journalistic point uh, in uh, in in the struggle that was going on in the streets of Alexandra and Soweto and the east rand you know the burning uh going on there um the police brutality and the human stories on both sides at that uh, time. But I've been uh, a crime reader since childhood, you know. I grew up on the Plotland and uh, in a very Afrikaans community, a very ordinary Afrikaans family and so on. So our English was atrocious. And (laughs) and that was one way my mother got me to, uh, I was a reader, but uh, she thought it was one way of getting me into reading English was uh, to whet my appetite on uh, on crime novels. Uh, She was a big fan of Agatha Christie and I started there and the Doris the and so on you know and uh, and it just became my preferred genre and and it stayed that way throughout my life so the moment I decided I'll give it a try you know the first thing that came up uh, naturally for me was was a murder mystery. A murder mystery, a farm murder mystery
0: which makes it a very uh, a very roots it right here in South Africa it's a farm murder that you're looking at. Was it based on a story that a thread of a story that you'd
1: read about heard about or was it something that came from within? When I started doing the research for the book um, there was there was quite a lot of writing, journalistic writing about it uh, going on at the time. And um, I was thinking of doing a series on uh, on all the aspects, you know, the economical, the human, the agricultural and so on, uh, aspects of the impact of farm murders at the time. And uh, But something happened and I got sort of sidetracked and the story started evolving. And um, and it gave me a very good excuse uh, to get into my car and uh, set off uh, for the Plattefonte and go and talk to people. People on both sides of the divide of land ownership in this country um, are victims of this crime. And uh, what I never realised is the effect that it has on a bigger community. It's not only the landowner or. His um, workers working for him that are affected by uh, this kind of crime it 's a bigger community yes. you know it 's the towns it 's uh, the the economic um, nest almost <clears throat> in which farmers uh, function uh, that gets affected. Yes, survivors. yes, I suppose
0: like a flock of sheep, you know, mm. one gets twitchy and it makes everybody suddenly start to get twitchy yeah. as well um, Yes, it was interesting, I was talking to Chris and, and I asked him if he'd managed to speak to many cr- criminals and in your case uh, I was going to ask you if you managed to speak to many victims, clearly you have we're going to come back to that in just a minute We're talking to Karen Brainard, her book is called Weeping Waters and we're going to get stuck right into the story in just a minute, stay with us SFM Literature, we're talking to Karen Brainard. Her book is called Weeping Waters, and on the cover there's a very, very South African farm uh, image which sort of sets the, sets the whole scene. Um, Karen, just maybe set the story for us. I mean, that you, you went to this community, you spoke to a lot of people. Just give us a sort of an overview of the story without giving too much away.
1: Yeah. You know what I discovered when I started doing this, the research, I already had a story in mind um of a farm murder and uh, this one cop who has to decide is this a bona fide uh, farm murder or is this something else disguised as a farm murder? And that is that is actually, what the story is about you know if you take away the circumstances you take away the South African landscape uh, the political and uh, socio-economic conditions and so on it boils down to a very very ordinary crime story Um, that's actually what I tried to do but having been a journalist and having been a political journalist for such a long time uh, I couldn't I couldn't quite resist putting it in the perspective of a South African landscape and uh, looking at uh, all sorts of different issues. Concerning land, yeah. land ownership in this country, the pol- politics around it, the politics are that are uh, getting stirred in the bigger debate around uh, whose land is it anyway? You know, um, and that's why I have a political sort of a right-wing group, and they are a suspect group in in the in the book, and it boils up to a sort of a d- d- uh, crescendo towards the end of the book. Uh, are they really the perpetrators? um are the uh, are there other people in the community who are the perpetrators what is the uh, what is the effect the bigger effect of crime in general in this country um and i think the fear of crime yes. i think uh, there's a bogeyman in our midst also in south africa it makes for wonderful stuff to write stories about and uh i think there are so many wonderful stories in this country uh And it doesn't matter what you do, Somewhere or another, uh, the 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 bigger issues, you know, the background issues, the the history of the land, who took whose land, how did people lose land, um, the sort of cultural clashes too. Oh, that's are they, know, the issues yes. between the different peoples. Absolutely, and also what fascinated me uh, are the the smaller uh, minority groups, people who uh, weren't uh, sort of part of the bigger struggle issues in the past in the apartheid era and now in the new era they still feel sidelined and so on and uh, in this instance i use the griqua uh, as a group a very definite group in the, in the in the northern cape and they have such an incredibly tragic history in this country and uh, i have a griqua person who is uh, a main character in this book and uh, and through him, I tried to tell a story that the tragedy of the Grigpa people uh, as well. They are a fascinating people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
0: You know, I seem to remember that you and I spoke once before, and I remember being struck by the amount of research that you do. And, and clearly, you've done a great deal here. So, whilst you have the picture of the story in your mind, you needed to flesh it out with real-life people and yes. humans. Did that, was that quite a long process? Before you even started on the story.
1: Yes, it was quite a long process, but to me, you know, research uh, feels fantastic. You know, uh, having been a journalist for almost ever, uh, I feel very safe within facts and within research and so on. You know, it it remains a different story. It, It remains a story out there. The moment I have to uh, sort of uh, um, uh, configure the whole lot into fiction and make it interesting and make it an ordinary it that people can read from start to finish without feeling that they're that they also delving into side issues like politics and the na- land issue and so on. Uh, that took a completely new skill for me that I wasn't used to
0: two things that i want to get to one is the translation here and this is a very interesting translation not that i could have read it in Afrikaans, even if i wanted to because i just couldn't but uh, it's, the words are really very interesting but the other thing is interesting that you mentioned agatha christie as part of your childhood reading because i think that her hercule poirot her, her detective yes a, a new agatha christie book has just been commissioned by a, a new writer sophie hannah um and Heiko uh, Poro sort of lives on. And I think your, um,
1: is it Superintendent Bieslar? Bieslar, yes. Uh, is he a super? Is he a. Is he, a he, inspector? Is, is he, he is just, a, in the, uh, the police terms have changed since the publication of this book. These days, he's just an ordinary captain.
0: Yeah and he's quite a troubled Captain Shamey. He's he's battling with his life but I think that we're going to see him again as he become your as he become your linchpin and will he come again in more books?
1: Yes, he is in the second book and uh, I'm currently writing the third one and uh, he is very much back there But they can
0: each be read separately, they're not necessarily Yes, absolutely.
1: No, no, absolutely they are each uh, separate stories. Yeah.
0: Does Does it help having him along, you know, so you can pick him up again and think, right now, where are we Going to
1: take him. I mean, do, do you work with him, sitting close by you? He is—he uh, is quite a surprising. He was a surprise to me uh, because he's a man, because he's male, um, and uh, everybody uh, sort of tells me, you know, you should actually migrate towards a female, a strong female character. And I know the translators were very irritated by my female characters; they thought they were weepy and weak mm. and so on. <laughs> The quality of writing is lovely, and I can
0: I think, oh, gosh, how did they translate that? Were there, were there, was it difficult for them, Isabel Dixon and who's the other lady? Maya Fowler. Maya
1: Fowler, yeah. They are both uh, two very gifted people, you know, writers in their own right. Uh, Maya Fowler uh, is very well known as um, uh, she write, uh, writes books for for youth uh, uh, youth literature. She's won prizes and so on. She's she's really wonderful, and Isabel Dixon is my agent, but she's also a poet. Yeah. and uh, so and 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 between these two women, uh, they they're just. Uh, they created uh, something really beautiful, and of course, I had uh, Linda Gilfullen as the editor, and uh, I was I was really I was so lucky. But the, because between those three women, they really crafted a very very good translation. I'm always surprised
0: at how how much of a sort of a corporate business it is actually writing yes. a book. It's not something yeah. you necessarily do. Well, you might start it by yourself, but you move on from there. Yeah. Did they? Um, did they? you interesting that comment that they felt that your your female characters were a bit sort of you know limp and and weepy i i'm not so sure that i i necessarily agree but you know did you did you take what they had to say? I mean, you've written the book, you know, you can't really yes. change them that. No,
1: we had, uh, we had quite a few arguments about it, oh, you know. They, they would say, no, we feel she must say it uh, this way in this uh, passage. And I would say, no, that's not her character. Her character is different. And uh, I would see between, uh, especially between Isabel and Linda Gilfillan, they would get so irritated by her uh, because she would be <laughs> weepy and, uh, and sometimes she would uh, just be sort of... Uh, speechless Um, and they would like her to be more feisty and uh, but unfortunately but that was to me was the magic of of the translation process
0: was there were there some points where it was just untranslatable i mean we all know that there are lots of words in afrikaans that really don't translate well as there are in all languages that they just just
1: can't change them
0: did did they feel that it lost anything in the translation in in those terms
1: i i'm not so sure about losing uh, because I, I I think in the end it's about the story and I think it's about creating the mood and creating the character of the landscape um, and in this sense the character of, of the plotland landscape and especially in that part it's the northwestern cape it's a, an arid semi-desert uh, on the border with the Kalahari and so on. That's a very, very earthy sort of a landscape. And especially the language, the Afrikaans that the Griqua people speak. It is the most charming and lyrical language you can imagine. I mean, you can sit down and just listen to a person speaking in a Griqua way. Uh, and it sounds like they will say go fetch me a, a cup of water and it will sound uh, sound like a poem you know it's in, and, and, and that makes it very yeah. very difficult yeah. to translate well charming and
0: lyrical is not what really what you'd expect from a book about a farm murder but charming and lyrical you're going to get together with a farm murder Karen thank you so much very best of luck and it's been lovely having you in the studio thank you very much Thanks, Nancy. Take care, Karen Brainard and the book is called Weeping Waters it's called Plasmort I think in Afrikaans Plasmort, Plasmort yes so you can re- read it in whichever of those two languages maybe one day they'll come in all their languages but there you go and it's published by it's already
1: in uh, uh, in dutch it's going into french and it's now going into um, german as well it's been sold to a german company
0: there's a thing matter of time before it becomes in all the official languages of south africa lovely karen thank you very much Thanks, thanks